We are so excited about our next series, Waves, which is kicking off next Sunday. It's all about faith. Faith comes by hearing. Those are sound waves, if you didn't know that on the video, sound waves. Faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God, by hearing his truth, by hearing stories of his faithfulness, by hearing his words to us, what he says about us. Hearing builds faith, and God does miracles when we believe. According to your faith, Jesus says, let it be done to you. And faith is going to be rising up in this place. God says, I'm about to do a new thing. See, it has already begun. Come on. So bring a friend next Sunday. We're going to give you cards when you leave today. Invite someone to experience God with you. If we haven't met before, my name is Ashley, and I'm the lead pastor here, and we are so glad you've joined us for the final installment of Next Level You. Man, this has been a fun series, all about discovering who we are, come on, who we are because of Jesus, who he made us to be, who he promises we are. Every next level of your life demands a next level you, but it's not a different you. It's the you that God created. It's the you that God knew from before the foundations of the earth. It's the you that has always been within you, waiting to come out, waiting to be discovered, waiting to be developed. Come on. It's the ambassador that he made you to be. It is the highly favored, deeply loved, totally righteous person because of Jesus. It's the masterpiece that you've been created to be. Come on. Our final installment today is called Blessed. Point one is that you are blessed because of Jesus. You are blessed because of Jesus. My daughter's seven now, but when she was like three, anytime we would do something like really fun or we would get an opportunity to go somewhere or when she would receive a gift, she would say, I am one blessed kid. And it was so cute. I wish I had a video of it to show you. But anytime she'd say, I am one blessed kid. And I love that because she knew who she was. She knew, I am blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? To be blessed is to have supernatural power working for you. We have supernatural power working for us because of Jesus. Come on. And if we're going to talk about blessing, we got to talk about the opposite of it too. So the opposite of being blessed is cursed. And I know that's a weird word. We don't talk about it a lot. In other cultures, it's like a big deal. Like people hire people to curse people. Craziness. To be cursed is to have supernatural power working against you. But when God is for you, nothing can stand against you. Come on. We are blessed. We're going to start off looking in Galatians 3. Paul was talking to the church in Galatia, and this is kind of um, just a dry passage, but it's going to lay a foundation for us for the rest of the message, and we're really going to start to run. So let's check it out together. It says, those who rely on faith are blessed, come on, along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, which is us, through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Come on. 
So this passage is talking about being blessed by faith versus being cursed under the law. It's talking about believing in Jesus or relying on our own self-efforts. So God is so holy. He's so amazing. He's so awesome. He can't have sin in his presence. He can't have anything that misses the mark in his presence. And so in the Old Testament, he made a way for people to come to him by giving offerings for any place they missed the mark. Uh, They would sacrifice animals, burnt offerings. But because of Jesus, he was the offering once and for all. So we don't have to keep going back to God with those things. He's like, Jesus already paid the price. Come on. It makes me think of when I was a little girl, I used to go to uh, Knobles Grove. It's an amusement park in Pennsylvania. I'm from Pennsylvania, if you didn't know that. Still live there. I love driving to Hope Church. Come on, it's worth the drive. But we would go on the rides, and I just thought I was one blessed kid because my dad would pay for us to get a hand stamp. If you get the hand stamp, you just show him your hand, you can go on any ride as much as you want. And it's fun. All day you just focus on fun. You don't even think about paying for a ride. You're like, hello, hi. But for some people, they just pay with tickets. So how that works is you would buy a $20 book of tickets, and you go up to each ride, and rides are like $1.25. So as a little kid, you count out your tickets. You know, you're like 25 cents, 50 cents, 75 cents, dollar, $1.25. Okay, now I can go on the ride. It's paid for. And you go to each ride until your tickets run out, which they do. And then you got to go buy more tickets. This is like being under the law. You have to keep paying the penalty for it. But because of Jesus, we have the hand stamp. Come on. He redeemed us. Some of us are still paying with the tickets, and I need you to know today that Jesus already did the hand stamp. When you believe in him, you don't have to keep paying with the tickets. You don't have to keep going up to everything in life and thinking, how much is this going to cost me? Oh, I'm worried about myself. You don't have to worry about yourself. Jesus already took care of you. Come on. The price was becoming a curse for us at the cross. Anyone hung on a pole is cursed, is what that verse said. Jesus did that for us. Not because the law was bad, but because it was impossible for us to keep every part of it. So that verse talked about the blessing of Abraham. That's based on a relationship with God. The Bible says Abraham was a friend of God. He believed in God, and God said he was righteous because he believed God said, Abraham, will you leave your homeland and go where I'm sending you? And Abraham said, sure, God, I'll follow you. Abraham said, would you trust me with your firstborn son? Or God said, Abraham, will you trust me with your firstborn son? And Abraham says, yes, I am willing. Now, Abraham wasn't perfect. There was this one time he lied about his wife because she was so hot, such a cutie, that he told Pharaoh, oh, she's my sister because he was afraid of Pharaoh. Obviously, that wasn't good, but God was still with him. He didn't relate to God based on his performance, but out of that relationship that he had with God. Now, the Israelites, they believed that they could do everything in their own ability. They said to God, we'll do everything that you ask. Everything? That's a tall order. James 2.10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. 
So they're like, okay, God says, honor your mom and dad, don't steal, don't kill. I didn't do any of those things. But then maybe they covet something somebody else has. If you break it in one point, you're guilty of breaking the whole law. God did not give us the law so that we could be good moral people. He gave us the law to show us that we needed a savior. When you try to live under the law, what Paul was saying is, you experience the curse of the law. But when you believe by faith, you are blessed. And because Jesus perfectly observed all of God's commandments, the entire law, everything, he did what we could not do. When we believe in him, we receive his right standing with God. We receive the blessings that he already earned. Come on. We talked about this earlier in the series. Jesus lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death that was meant for us to pay the price. And now we get to experience all of his blessings. Does that give us license to do whatever we want? No. It gives us a new nature that wants to honor God. We've been sharing this verse this whole time. I hope you got it in your spirit now. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. We have been crucified with Christ. We no longer live. He lives in us. Come on. And he helps us to live a next level life by becoming who we are created to be from the inside out. Because the law has been fulfilled through Jesus, when we believe in him, we are blessed with every blessing that comes from observing the law perfectly. And we're going to look at Deuteronomy 28 right now. It's a really great section. You're going to love it. Here we go. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, he was given the Ten Commandments in the law, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. When you walk in his ways, when you wholeheartedly want to please him, his blessings chase you down and overtake you. That's good. One translation says, you will become a magnet for blessings. We are blessing magnets. I love that. So here we go. Verse 3. What's that first word there? Blessed. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. That means everywhere you go. Verse 4. What's that first word? Blessed shall be all the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and all the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. That means your children are blessed. That means everything that you produce is blessed. It has supernatural advantage. Verse 5. First word? Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. That means you'll have enough food. You don't have to worry. Verse 6. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. You're blessed in your coming. You're blessed in your going. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you're blessed. Verse 7. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you in seven ways. Come on. It doesn't say you won't ever have enemies. 
It says, when your enemies come against you, God will help you to win the battle over them. You are righteous because of Jesus. Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing on you and your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. He blesses everything you do when you trust in Jesus and you live out his principles. Who you are is a new person when you trust in Jesus. You're completely changed. He gives you an identity like we talked about this whole series of royalty and masterpiece and favored. And then you get to choose how you walk in that identity. You get to choose what you believe as you walk in that identity. And what Paul was saying to the Galatians, he was saying, walk in who God says you are. Don't keep trying to earn what God already gave you, but live out of that place. So even though you're blessed in all these places, there's places where if you choose to do something that's going to hurt you, obviously that thing won't be blessed. God's going to give you all your food, but if you, I don't know, if you throw it all away, then you're not going to have enough food. You see what I'm saying? You get to decide what you do with your blessings. We are the stewards of those. Verse 12, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall be above only and not beneath if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. That means financially, your work will be blessed. You'll be the lender, not the borrower. You'll be the leader, not the follower. You'll be on top of every situation, not under your circumstances, because of Jesus. Because Jesus fulfilled the law. Because Jesus paid the price. God's dream for your life is so much bigger than your own. If you will keep honoring him, if you will keep pursuing him right where you're at, he will promote you in his time. Blessings will come to you. A couple months ago, when I started as lead pastor, God put it in my heart to find um, someone to mentor me, to find another woman who had gone before me uh, that I could learn from. And for about a week, I was looking into pastors' networks. I was looking into uh, someone that we could link up to, to grow together, and to learn from. And I didn't find anybody that week. The next week, I was working on my message, just doing some research, and this link popped up, and I was like, this is exactly what I was looking for last week. So I clicked on the link, I applied, and I got into this amazing cohort for women pastors. Come on. And now I have a coach. I have a mentor that I'm going to be meeting with starting tomorrow. I can't wait to meet her tomorrow. But God is so good. She's not just any coach. She's the only woman pastor of a megachurch in America, which for me, that's somebody who's gone way beyond me. That's somebody who knows how to reach people. That's somebody who knows how to teach people. That's somebody who knows how to disciple and develop people. But God didn't just provide any old mentor. Any mentor would have been great. He provided the top mentor in my field. Come on. 
That's who he is. Come on, even when you are not looking, his blessings will chase you down. He provides what you need at the proper time. He provides what you need in the right season, above and beyond what you're expecting. He knows what you need better than you do. What would it look like for you? What meeting is God orchestrating for you right now that you don't even know about? If God were to show you right now where he's taking you, the plans that he has for you, it would blow your mind. That's what my friend Jacques likes to say. He'd say, mind blown. It doesn't matter if you're the most qualified or the most talented or have the right pedigree or know the right people. God has the right people in your future. If you're single, you don't have to settle or try to convince someone to like you. If they don't like you, let them go. The right person won't want to do life without you. God has that person for you. Keep walking in his blessing. Keep honoring God in everything that your hand finds to do. Keep investing your whole heart. Keep being a person of integrity. Do the right thing, even when it's hard. Not because you have to fulfill the law, not to, because you're trying to be good enough, but because Jesus gave you a new nature, and now you get to live out of that. Pray for your enemies. Come on. Choose a good attitude that pleases God. Practice forgiveness. Don't grow weary in doing good because at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Come on. God is preparing you now for your blessings that are at your next level. You. Think about David. I love it. King David, you know, he faced Goliath and he killed him with a sling and a stone. But... Before that, he was in the field. He was taking care of the sheep. He was killing the lion and the bear that went after the sheep. God was preparing him for his future. Think about the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert. They were getting new mindsets. They were becoming the people that God needed them to be to go ahead and face all their enemies. God is preparing you in this season for your next season. He'll develop character in you through the tests that you're facing right now. So that character can sustain you when you're blessed. So God can trust you with what he has for you and you don't fall. God is going to open doors that take you to the next level, you. So there are 14 verses on blessings. We read most of them. That's what we're redeemed for. What are we redeemed from? There are 54 verses on curses. Yikes, that's a lot of things that we're redeemed from. These are things that are not our portion in Jesus. And you should check them out this week. I'm just going to summarize some of them for you. Uh, verse 32 talks about when you are cursed, your children will go into captivity. They'll be slaves to others. For our generation, it would be like they're slaves to culture. They're slaves to their job. They're slaves to things that have no right in their life. When those things happen to you, when you know Jesus and you know you're blessed, you can reject that curse. Verse 38 says, when you're cursed, you'll so much and gather little. You'll put in so much time and energy for something and you'll have little fruit to show for it. That is not your portion in Jesus. Verse 59, when you're cursed, you'll face sickness, disease. You'll be uprooted. That is not our portion in Jesus. By his stripes, we have been healed. He says it. We believe it. We walk in it. 
Verse 66, when you're cursed, you will live in constant suspense, filled with dread both night and day, never sure of your life. That is not our portion in Jesus. Anxiety is not our portion in Jesus. He's already provided everything that we need. He redeemed us from the curse. We don't have to accept any of those things in our lives. It's important to know what is your portion and what you can reject. God's blessing always overrides curses. It always has the final say. Point two today is that what God has blessed, no one can curse. What God has blessed, no one can curse. That means us. What the enemy tries to use to stop you, God's going to use to promote you. What the enemy means for evil, God uses for good. Every time, people are powerless to stop the blessing on your life. The enemy is powerless to stop the blessing on your life. The blessing overrides every curse. People can curse you. They can say negative things, but you don't have to let it take root. You don't have to give it authority in your life like we talked about last week. You have all authority. The enemy has zero. When someone speaks badly about you, remind yourself, you're already blessed. They can't steal your peace. That's a curse and it's not your portion. People may have tried to push you down this week, but God is about to lift you up. They may try to distract you from your purpose, but they cannot change the blessing of God on your life. What God has blessed, no man can curse. Jesus redeemed us from every curse at the cross. Today we're going to look at the story of Balaam. This, it's this really cool story where a donkey ends up talking. It's only, there's only two places in the Bible where animals talk, but we're not going to get to see that part. But here's where we're going. The Israelites were camped on the plains of Moab, and there were millions of them. And the king of Moab looks out, and he's like, oh my gosh, there are so many people out there. There are enemies. I've heard what they do to other people. We can't win if we go out to face them. So he's like, okay, what can I do? He's Gets out Google, prophet to curse another nation. And he finds Balaam. And Balaam has a great reputation. The things that he blesses are blessed. The things that he curses are cursed. The guy is, you know, he's not one of the Israelites. He doesn't know Jesus, but he's a guy with power. So he sends a delegate to Balaam. He's like, hey, we'll pay you tons of money. Come and curse these people for us. It would really help us out. And it's so cool because Balaam couldn't do anything without God's permission. Even though he wasn't a God follower, he said, hey, God, the king of Moab wants me to curse these millions of people, your people, the Israelites. Numbers 22.12 says, God said to Balaam, you shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. They are blessed. And the enemy needed God's permission. Balaam tells the delegates, I can't curse them. God says they're blessed. He says he's powerless to curse them. So, the king's like, well, you know what? Try anyway. You know, he sends another delegation. So Balaam goes to him. He opens his mouth to curse them. And he says, they will be innumerable. He blesses them. The king of Moab is like, what are you doing? I paid you to curse them. That's the opposite of what I need from you right now. So he's like, okay, let's move to another spot. Maybe the location was bad. Let's just move around and can you curse him now from over here? So uh, Numbers 22:20. Behold, I've received a command to bless. God has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. 
I cannot reverse what God has blessed. Come on. Verse 21, he says, God has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. So he's talking to the king. He's like, I can't reverse this curse. You know, these people, they have no iniquity. They're not wicked. God doesn't see that. Are you kidding me? God didn't see any sin in Israel out of millions of people? They were all on their best behavior that day? Nobody was arguing about somebody else's donkey or, you know, jealous of somebody else or in a, a fight, an argument. Nobody was bitter. Nobody was worried. God didn't say there's not iniquity in Israel. If you look at that verse 21, he says, God has not observed iniquity. He has not seen it. When he looks at us, he doesn't say there's no sin in us. He says, I choose not to see it because of Jesus. His blood covers you. Does that mean there's not consequences for our sin? No. It means that God does not count people's sins against them. When you look at other people, what do you see? Do you choose to tear them apart for all of their flaws? What if you saw them the way that God sees you? What if you love them unconditionally? the way that God loves you. Even though they are imperfect, what if you chose not to see the imperfections? What if you looked for the best in them, like God tells us to do in 1 Corinthians 13, 7? Love assumes the best. So Balaam, he keeps blessing Israel, and the king of Moab is like, okay, let's move you around again. We'll try one more time, see if it works this time. Numbers 24.1 says, When Balaam saw it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he didn't resort to divination another time. It pleased the Lord to bless Israel. He didn't just bless Israel. It pleased God to bless them. And it pleases him to bless us. Like any good father, he loves to bless his kids. And he was not just blessing them once or twice. He has Balaam bless Israel four times. His last blessing prophesied Jesus. Numbers 24, 17, it says, I see him, but I don't see him now. I view him, but he isn't near. A star will come from amongst the people of Jacob. That star is Jesus. A king will rise up out of Israel. He'll crush the foreheads of the people of Moab. This is so cool. He's talking how God would plan to send Jesus before the Israelites even knew they needed a savior. And what were they doing this whole time? While this whole conversation is going on about cursing them and, you know, the king of Moab is out to get them, what are they doing? They're living their daily lives. They had no idea that another nation's king was coming against them. God was blessing them when they didn't even know they needed it. He had a plan for Jesus before they knew they needed it. God was protecting them. The children of Israel, they didn't have to do anything to defend themselves because God was fighting for him, for them. And he's fighting for you. He's fighting for you right now. Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? This makes me think of like the Lord of the Rings where Gandalf comes on the third day. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. 
The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. Come on. No matter what you're going through, you can rest because God is your defender. When people spread lies about you and attack your character, God is your protector. When they go to curse you, God can use it to bless you. He can cause their words to fall to the ground. You don't have to lose your peace. When God has blessed you, no one can reverse it. All that matters is that the creator of the universe has blessed you. When the enemy tries to curse your future with negative thoughts, start saying good things about your life. Start prophesying the truth of who God says you are. Say that I am more than a conqueror because of Jesus, because that's the truth. These are not just nice thoughts. This is God's word. Bless your family. Bless your friends. Bless the people around you. And bless your enemy. Speak blessings over people. God's blessing is not just for you. Other people are waiting on the other side of you being blessed. And when you walk in obedience, God's blessings will chase you down and overtake you. Point three today is that we are blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. I was reading a story this week about the Marquis de Lafayette. He was a French officer who provided invaluable assistance to George Washington during the Revolutionary War. And so when the war was done, he went back home to France, and he found that his farms were doing amazing, but everybody else was not doing so great. One of his workers offered what seemed to be good advice to him. He said, the bad harvest for everyone has raised the price of wheat. This is the time you should sell. And after thinking about the hungry peasants in the surrounding villages, Lafayette disagreed and he said, no, this is the time to give. This is the time to give. God blesses us, not just for our own benefit, but so that we can be a blessing to other people. When you honor God, his blessings do come to you. You are a blessing magnet. You don't go after the blessings. You go after God and his blessing comes to you. What do you do with those blessings? Bless others. We started talking about Abraham today. Let's look at the blessing of Abraham in Genesis 12 that we walk in now because of Jesus. It says, God says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And all peoples of earth will be blessed through you. People of hope, who is being blessed through you today? Who's being blessed through your words? Who could you bless through your relationship? Who could you bless financially? It's better to give and receive, and there's this whole cycle of blessing that happens when God is blessing you, and then you bless someone, and you experience more blessings. And it's not just financial blessing. 
His blessing comes in so many different ways. We looked at all of the ways we are blessed. We're blessed because of Jesus. And we walk in his principles. When we do that, we experience his blessings. God didn't want the Israelites to miss out on the blessing. So he said, Malachi 3, 9 through 12, you're under a curse, Israel, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed. I can't talk about being blessed without telling you that we are blessed to be a blessing. God's talking to the people of Israel in Malachi about tithing, about returning the first 10% of their income to him. That's the holy part that carries the blessing. When you give it to God through his church, when you return it to him, because it's all his anyway, when you return it to him, he redeems the rest. The rest of your finances are blessed. Just like Jesus was the firstborn who redeemed all of us from the law, our tithe redeems our finances. And anything given to God, any first thing given to him, causes the rest to be blessed. Before it's given, it's under a curse, meaning it's under the natural state of the world after the fall. It means it's not redeemed by God. But when we bring it to him through the church, he promises to bless it. He removes the curse and he prevents your stuff from being devoured. He prevents your stuff from not being fruitful. When we return our tithes and offerings to him, we are blessed. He's not after our money. He doesn't need it. Remember, he's the one who has so many blessings to pour out. He wants our heart and where our treasure is, there our hearts are. He wants us to trust him through faith. He wants us to live a next level life with him. He wants us to be transformed from the inside out. He wants us to believe in who he says he is. And today I wanna to give you the opportunity to trust in him. By faith, we receive the promise of his blessing. By faith, we walk in his principles. By faith, we invite him into our hearts and into our lives 